0: Iguodala, and here it comes, he got it, the Warriors have won on a team winning shot by Andre Iguodala. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. A split screen, Hosey will defend, oh, LeBron James with no regard for human life. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh! to get your daily prescription from The Doctor. As Saul says, pay a big ticket. T.C. Martin. And here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things with that sweet mohawk.
1: The Doctor is now in. Unos dos, tres. Olé! Olé!
0: All right, hour number two. Glad to have you with us here on this Thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Tomorrow we'll be at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home inside the world-famous Superbook. The big fella, Paul Mokesky, is going to join us tomorrow. Big Mo, talk some NBA playoffs along with uh, Marco D'Angelo and Jake Cornegay and uh, John Murray from the uh, sportsbook there at the Westgate Las Vegas. So come on out, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m., our Friday home. We continue on this hour. Scott Spreitzer will join us as we handicap the playoffs and uh, talk a little Major League Baseball, that, and a whole lot more for you. All right? Sacramento Kings, my hometown, they're doing well right now. And they've got the number three seed. They're going to be playing the Golden State Warriors. And uh, we're talking a lot about that series because, to me, that is one of the most intriguing matchups that you have. The defending champs, the Warriors, come in as the sixth seed. We know Steph Curry missed 26 games during the course of the regular season, but they are relatively healthy right now. Probably more healthy than they've been all season long and taking on the red-hot Sacramento Kings. As we know, the longest playoff drought in NBA history is over. It's been 16 seasons, and uh, we'll see. Uh, how this all plays out, and look forward to being back in SAC this weekend. Game one, coming your way, 5.30 p.m. at the Golden One Center. A guy who will be uh, part of that broadcast does a fantastic job, and he is a former Sacramento King, does a great job with my guy, Scott Marsh, on the pregame show on the Kings Radio Network. Henry Turner, the high flyer, joins us now. What's going on, Henry? Hey, hey, what's going on, man? Getting ready for these playoffs, baby. <laughs> you're pumped. You're fired up. You're you're stoked, aren't you, my man? Come on, man. 16 <laughs> years, bro. 16 <laughs> years. Come on. You know I, I'm hype. I'm telling you, man. Hey, uh, we both know it, man, because... Again, you know, I'm born and raised in Sac, uh, spent a majority of my time there, and I remember 1985 when the Kings relocated. I remember when you played there in your two different stints, what, 89 and 90, and then what, 94 and 95, and, you know, we know it's a different time now, and, you know, and we also remember the last time the Kings were relevant going back to, you know, the late 90s and the early 2000s, Henry, but... I want to know. I mean, uh, we know that fan base was always rabid. And then we saw the doldrums. We saw them move from Marco Arena to now the Golden 1 Center. I, I want to know, is, is this fan base ready to to get back to the way they the fan base was 20 years ago? Man, let me tell you what. You know,
2: we've been actually having that conversation. And, you know, I've I, I worked with Jason Ross and I've worked with the great G-Man. Yep. And, and, uh, and Gary Drill has been the voice of the Sacramento Kings since they come here in 85. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about how Golden won the last, I'm going to say the last 15 games sounds just like old Arco Thunder. The fans have packed that stadium. The fans have come in and they got behind this basketball team. They, they've really been that six men. They have galvanized these, players man and really the players understand the fans have their back they show up in draws and they show up and they show
1: out
0: yeah and you know that's a a great feeling as well because i mean like myself i'm sure you probably felt the same way henry that like you're wondering i mean after all these years is it ever going to get back to that? I mean, you experienced it as a player, and then, you know, you remember those days, and you mentioned Gary Gerald, one of the best. I mean, no question about it, the G-man, and glad that he's still doing it there uh, in Sacktown. But I, there was a point in time where, you know, you go back the last, you know, I'll just say the last 10, 8, 5, 4 years, it was like, are we ever going to experience that again? I mean, fans talk about it like that was one of a kind and didn't know if that was ever going to get back to that.
2: You know what, I, I uh I actually used to say all the time, you know, on air that, you know, uh Sacramento basketball as the fans knew it, lived and died when Chris Weber came and left. Yep. You know, that was the good days when he was here and when he left, it definitely went down the uh went went downhill. But this is a new era, man. This is a new Jack time. You know, we got different ownership. We got different GMs. We got different coach, We got different players. And a lot of these entities, they haven't been around for that long drought. They really haven't. Deer Fox is the longest tenure on this team. And, uh, you know, he just been around for the last six years. He hasn't really got the brunt of the whole six teams. So, But these guys, they definitely understand the magnitude of it, especially the magnitude as far as for the fans. So they have definitely embraced the challenge and took on the challenge. But I tell you what, you know, right now we're talking about a different brand and a different style of basketball for the Kings.
0: Mm -hmm. Henry Turner, join us, former Sacramento Kings, part of the Kings radio network there. Let's talk a little bit about that when you played Henry I mean you're a former player you remember what it was like playing in the old Arco Arena uh talk about that you know just you know wearing that Kings jersey and playing in front of those the screaming fans that just even in the early early days when the Kings weren't winning and then later had the success I mean you saw it all there yeah, well, well, well. First of all, you really
2: have to understand my pedigree. I I was born and raised in Oakland, California. Right. So being a being a Golden State Warrior to me was the epitome. You know, to to ever walk on that floor as a Warrior, that was my thing as a child. But for me to be able to come to Sacramento and really embrace what was going on here, and it was early on. You know, the team had just gotten here in '85, and I slide through around '89, and it was a huge buzz. You know, we wasn't the greatest of a basketball team. You know, we were able to win, but we were never in playoff contention. But with all that being said, the Kings was the only thing this city had. And everybody in this city galvanized on this team. They rallied around this basketball team. And from 85 until today, it haven't wavered at all. Mm -hmm. The fan base is still here the fan base love these, love these players. We always say, once a king, always a king. Even when the old players come back, the fans love these guys. They treat them like family and rightfully
0: so. And talk a little bit about the, the former players. Of course, you know, we go back to, you know, Mike Bibby, Prazer Stojakovic, Chris Weber, Vladi Divots. I mean, the list kind of goes, you know, on and on there. Has, has former Kings players been coming back over the last few years? We get some players back, not mm-hmm. many, you know. Um, I honestly think the organization is going to have to
2: do a little bit better uh, job as far as going back and getting some of their old players. Like Mike Bibby's come through, but uh, you have to understand is that Doug Christie works for the team. Right. Bobby Jackson also works in the G League. Okay, Mike Bibby comes back through. Vlade and Page was on the um, in the front office. You know, that's changed, but Roddy still comes through. Uh Brad Miller shows up every blue moon. So you get some old players coming through.
0: Right. All right. Uh Henry had two stints with the Kings, like we said, 89, 90, 94, 95. I remember, and you probably remember this as well, too. I mean, you were there when the Kings actually changed their colors when they went from their red white and blue I think you were there the first season. Yeah. they went to the, the the purple and the white and add the black there and I remember because I was there you know fans are going okay I'm not sure I'm down with this but then that was kind of the cool thing to do and now I mean the younger generation they don't even remember the old red white and blue Reggie Theus Kings they don't remember that at all man so uh, talk about what that was <laughs> like as a player and, and putting on the that purple and black after you had the red white and blue years earlier You know, T.C., it's
2: weird, bro, because, you know, when I first came in here, it wasn't even the red, white, and blue. Remember, when I first came here, it was the baby blue. That's true, right? Right? That's right. Right. The powder blue, baby. The Carolina blue. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We had the baby blue. So I went through definitely three stints of, you know, changing colors from the baby blue to the royal blue. And then when we changed over, man, to the black, we thought that that was the coolest thing ever because that was—I think—that might have been the first year the NBA allowed teams to wear black shoes. Right. You know, before before it was always just white white tennis shoes, white tennis shoes. Yeah. So the year we changed to our black uniforms was the year we was able to incorporate the black shoes with the black socks and the black uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then you know. That was cool, and we had it for a couple of years. But then when Chris Webber came and Jason Williams came, the black jersey, number 55 white chocolate was one of the best-selling jerseys that ever came through the league. He had a number one jersey at one particular,
0: one particular time. No, that's very true. No doubt. Yeah. Jason always white chocolate. Oh, man. All right. So we've seen this resurrection with the Kings. Uh, the Kings have had high draft picks in years past. Not all of them have worked out, but man, there's a good core of young talent here. And like you said, De'Aaron Fox, a lot of people don't realize. I mean, you're right. He's been here for, you know, for six years, but an outstanding player. How much of the credit, though, is Mike Brown getting? Uh, because we've seen the revolving door of coaches. I mean, hey, you got to go back to Rick Adelman, and then it just became revolving door after revolving door. But Mike Brown, I remember when you know he was hired, you know, last year, and it was like, okay, you know, is he going to make a difference? But it seems like he has. Is more of the credit go to Brown or this this core of players that are just playing lights out, especially offensively?
2: Let me tell you this: all the credit goes to Mike Brown. The majority of the credit goes to Mike Brown. Now, a little bit of the credit goes to the organization for going out and hiring Mike Brown, but to get these guys together, to get these guys to buy in, to change the culture, to get these guys to play with one another, all of that is Mike Brown and his staff.
0: Now we look at the matchup here. We, even though the Warriors are, are the sixth seed, they're the favorite in this series. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, of course, you know, they've got that championship pedigree. They're defending champions. They got, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. And then, you know, they've got uh, healthy guys too. You know, coming back, Wiggins, we don't know how healthy he is. Uh, Gary Payton the second is back now. This is, is a much different Warriors team than we saw earlier in the season or even midseason. Give me your take when you look at the Warriors. And, again, you're a guy who grew up in the Bay. You remember some of those great Warrior teams back in the day, man. So talk, right. about, talk, talk about this version and what the Kings are going to be looking at. Well, you know what? I I, I will tell you this. Uh looking
2: at this version of the Golden State Warriors and to have to understand that they are the favorites and the Kings are the underdogs is kind of crazy because the Kings are three, the Warriors are the six. Mm -hmm. But it's true, you know, the Warriors are the champs. I always give the champs a pass because they are the champs until they get knocked off. So for them to be the favorites, I'm okay with that. But it's kind of like a twist of the scenarios, though, because... The Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings played the majority of their games in like the first month of the season. Right. 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 Yep. You know, so. Three times in November. Yeah. Right. That's not the same Sacramento Kings team that they are today. No way, no how. Mm -hmm. You know, this team has gotten better and better and better and better. And then, you know, we didn't get a chance to see the best of the Golden State Warriors either because Wiggins was out for some time. Clay was out for some time. And Steph was out for some time. So you really can't take the record of 3-1 Warriors and say, okay, well, the Warriors are just going to dominate the King." Mm-hmm. Not at all. But I'll tell you what we will see. We are going to see a high-powered, high-octane, high powered, high octane, high three point shooting, up and down running gun style playoff series. I'll tell you what, when you watch this series, you better go get a neck brace because you might have
0: <laughs> right. uh, a tennis neck by watching this game. We might have one of those, uh, you know, 148, 142 games, right? We, we could see a couple of those. You might see a couple
2: of them, and all of them probably going to be in the 120 plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So th- we know, Henry, this is uncharted territory for the Kings, specifically this core, this group right here. I, could there, could there be the factor here that, okay, maybe the stage is too big, even though they are opening this series, the first two games at home. And then if it does go deep, then they'll have that seventh and deciding game home. But uh, kind of paint the picture for us. What do you expect to see Saturday night once they tip it off, uh, of how the Kings are going to react? for being here in the first time?
2: You know what, T? I wish I could tell you exactly what should happen. Mm -hmm. You know, because you have to understand this. None of these guys have been there before. right? Okay, we got Harrison Harrison Barnes, who got it done with the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. All right? He's got playoff experience. We've got Sabonis, who had some playoff experience with Indiana. But besides those two, everybody else hasn't been to the playoffs. So I think it's going to be more so a situation of the Sacramento Kings mentally more than physically. Right. You know, we know playoff basketball, uh, it definitely ramps up physically, I mean, mentally and most importantly, physically. Mm. You know, the defensive presence really raises its head in the playoffs. How are the Sacramento Kings going to be able to react to that? But I think that since they're playing a team that they know so well and a team that's right down the street, a team that Mike Brown knows very, very well, I think a lot of that part of the situation might kind of be equalized out, understanding the variables of how both of these teams are going to be able to play.
0: Hmm. Looking forward to it. No question about it. I'll start 5.30 5.30 Saturday night, uh, nationally televised, ABC. Looking forward to being there myself. Henry Turner will be there, part of the Kings Radio Network and the former Sacramento King himself. All right, Henry, when you look at this playoff time, we know it's it's totally different than the regular season. I want to know what your opinion is with the play-in tournament. You know, we've been through this a couple years now. I personally not a real big fan of it. I'm curious what your take is. Of, of the play-in tournament, how it's formatted, and the results that we've seen the last few nights.
2: What I like about the play-in, it, 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 it's twofold twofold for me. Number one, it pretty much stops teams from tanking. It will stop you from tanking. Number two, it gives you a second chance, and you know how big this is. If you have had an a injury-riddled season, Let's say, aka uh, the Clippers, aka the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams are championship aspiration teams. But if you've been riddled with injury prone and injury problems the whole year, and you haven't had a chance to play up par, it gives you that last ditch effort to try to get everybody together at the end of the season and make that Herculean push. Mm-hmm.
0: We saw the Lakers in a real ugly basketball game the other night defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves in in overtime. You got a chance to see the Lakers up close and personal quite a few times, of course, being uh, a division opponent with the Kings. What is your take on the Lakers as a number 7 seed, and how far can this team go? The team
2: is going to go as far as LeBron James stays engaged. He is the key. As much as people blame it on Anthony Davis and some of the surrounding players, they're a piece of the puzzle. If LeBron James stays engaged, they have a chance. If Anthony Davis can stay healthy, they have a chance. But if LeBron James starts looking at a series saying, I'm not going to break my neck just to get to the next series to where we get blown out, Mm -hmm. then it's a problem. Then it's going to be a big-time problem. They are going to go as far as LeBron James wants to take this team.
0: We know that the West is, you got a myriad of teams that could win this thing. And you got the Denver Nuggets at the top. Uh, still not a lot of people talking about them. And then when you look at kind of the middle, I mean, see where the Kings are at, number three, that shocks a lot of people, but deservedly so because of what we talked about, how well they played. But then you got Phoenix and the Clippers right there in the middle of that four and five situation. Then we got the Warriors at number six. And then you got LeBron James, Anthony Davis at number seven here. It, it does seem like a stockpiled, uh, you know, Western conference. And then you can make the case that maybe some of these teams have either overachieved or underachieved. Give us who you like in the West. It's, it's crazy how when you talk about the
2: media, and who they push, and who they want to put out in front. You just said it. The Denver Nuggets have played great basketball all year, and nobody talks about Denver. The the Memphis Grizzlies, outside of John Moran doing his thing, the the, the media gives Memphis no respect. Sacramento Kings have had a hell of a season, historic. Still, at the end-all, be-all, the top media gives this team no respect. All the media talks about is what Phoenix is going to do, what the Clippers are going to do, how the Golden State Warriors are going to make this heroic, uh, heroic comeback, and can the Lakers pull it out from the cellar. What about these other teams that have shown and the whole year they deserve to be there? Now, I will say this. All of those teams I just named, if you get everybody healthy on the Phoenix Suns and an engaged Kevin Durant, yeah, they might be the favorite to come out of the West. I will give them that. If you get Paul George, miraculously, comes back, and you get Henry Kawhi Leonard and that deep Clipper team to play at a very high level, they're capable. We know what the Golden State Warriors have done. They have been the dynasty. They're capable. If LeBron and AD gets together, they galvanize, they get their guys together, I think they can make a long run. But at the end of the day, I still have to look at Denver and Memphis and say, both of those teams have proven
0: that
2: they deserve to be one and two,
0: they can come out. Either one of those teams. And you're right. Uh, when you look at Denver and Memphis, the reason why they're one and two seeds is because they've been the most consistent all year. Sure, these other teams have star power and you, we truly don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Phoenix and, and Kevin Durant and the Clippers. I mean, they're seeded where they are because they have been very inconsistent as well, too. So, and again, the Kings, you're right. They, they, they don't get to, Uh, the love that they should get and all you have to do is just look at them, you know, offensively and, you know, the numbers, like you said, the record breaking numbers that they put up. They have been astounding, but you're right. Everyone wants to focus on the Lakers. The Lakers are a seven seed for a reason. Okay. It's not like they've been totally banged up. Sure. We've had a lot of load management, a lot of rest with those guys, but that team is a mess, Henry. I see that Laker team as a bona fide mess and they're lucky to even be in the seventh spot, but I'm with you, man. I like Denver. I like Memphis. I like Sacramento. I like Golden State. I think when it's all said and done, those are the teams we're going to be talking about that are going to be vying for the Western Conference Finals.
2: Well, you know what? I hope so, man, because I say this. Now, T.C., I honestly and truly mean this because I've watched different eras come through. I think right now we are watching the changing of the guards when we talk about superstars in the NBA. Look where we are. LeBron James is down at the bottom. All right? Anthony Davis is down at the bottom. Steph Curry is down at the bottom. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kevin Durant, those guys are down at the bottom. Now we're talking about the new Jack insurgents of all-star players. We're talking about Savonis, uh, De'Aaron Fox. We're talking about John Morant. We're talking about uh, Jokic and then Michael Carter. It's a changing of the guards. Some of these old superstars are on their way down and these new superstars are rising their head.
0: Yeah. And that point, Henry, I'll leave you with this. We just come off one of the most exciting NCAA tournaments where again, we saw what Florida Atlantic did getting to the final four. We saw another, uh, uh, 16 beat a number one seed and we saw, we've seen so many upsets. Do you think that the NBA maybe finally catches up here and could we have? That type of postseason, the NBA playoffs, what we just got done seeing with college basketball and March Madness. Well, like... As far as watching LA come all the way back and get it done. Well, maybe not necessarily that, but just talking about those those kind of unsung stars that you're talking about, or maybe see you know maybe someone out of the East you know you know upset a Boston or a Milwaukee or something like that, or again you know that that maybe even though Denver is is a number one seed or Memphis is a number two seed, they're still in the public's mind you know or the casual NBA fan they still can kind of consider them underdogs. Well, I'll tell you what. If you talk about the East, you know, I only see three teams
2: being able to come out of the East. You got Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. You know, those three are coming out. But if you want to talk about a Cinderella story, a Cinderella story in the West, it would have to be the King. No question. It would have To be the Kings. Okay, Denver has been there. Denver, Mike Malone has done a great job down there in Denver. He's taken those guys all the way as far as he could. Memphis. Memphis hit Memphis comes in last year and they make a splash. They move on in the playoffs. So they've been there. If you talk about just strictly Cinderella, it would have to be even if the Sacramento Kings just make it to the conference finals. That's a Cinderella
0: story. No doubt. Even though they're number three seed, it's, it's a great run considering that this franchise hasn't been there in 16 seasons. Henry Turner does a great job on the Kings radio network. My man, it's a pleasure. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on and I look forward to seeing you hopefully, uh, Saturday night there at the Golden One Center. It sounds like it is going to be tremendous and, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to give us some goosebumps and, and, you know, kind of, uh, take us back in the day to the way those crowds we at Arco Arena. I'm looking forward to it, big time.
2: Hey, T, when you get to the arena, man, come by the booth, tap in, come holler at me. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got my number, tap in whenever you want, man. We can always chop it up by some good old hoops, man. I'm with it.
0: I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Henry. Appreciate you. Have a good call. Right. Have a great time this weekend. Yes, sir. There he is. Henry Turner, the high flyer back in the day. Played with the Sacramento Kings. Does a fantastic job on the radio side. Alright, so we gave you a lot of of Kings Warriors, uh, during the course of this show. And I felt it was very, very important to do that because we know that Vegas, you know, you have a myriad of fans with myriad of teams. And then from a betting standpoint, Hey, the Kings have been getting a lot of money at the sports books. We know that. All right. And the Lakers always get money at the sports books and probably no one better you know, is getting dollars at the sports book than the Golden State Warriors. This is a great story where you have the defending champs, and we know how hard it is to go back to back, but then against this Cinderella story, just like Henry Turner said. This is a remarkable story. I'll tell you, again, being born and raised in Sacramento, being involved as I am in that community, again, with the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame and everything there, it has been a long time coming Me for one, I doubted, highly doubted that the Kings were going to be relevant again. Maybe in some point in time, but you go back, you know, after that run 2005, 2006, you said, okay, this this team made the playoffs, but it wasn't very good. Had a real good record, had over 50 wins. But then after that, after Rick Adelman was was let go, and then here comes a revolving door of coaches over and over again, the misdrafts, the ownership, the Kings... Nearly were gone out of Sacramento. And again, it was a huge story going back to 1985, Reggie Theus, that Kings team, and the way that Sacramento embraced their team. And I say their team because that's all they have. That's the only professional sports team there in Sacramento and has been for a long time. So when the Kings were relevant, when the Kings were good, going back to those times in the late 90s and the early 2000s, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Really put Sacramento sports on the map from a team standpoint. But then when you have the doldrums of going from 2006 all the way to 2022, even though you get a new arena to try to revitalize this organization and new ownership, but what does the resurrection really have in common with why they're playing so well, why they're doing well now? The Golden State Warriors. The Kings owner, was a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors. All right. Mike Brown spent six years. When Mike Brown was underneath Steve Kerr, it wasn't just it was a pit stop for him. It wasn't a little truck stop, and he was there for one or two years. No, he spent six years with the Warriors. And Mike Brown was building a name for himself. All right. Mike Brown yes got to coach the summer league teams. Mike Brown got to be the head coach of many meaningful games as a the head coach of the Warriors, when Steve Kerr had his back issues. Steve Kerr was sick. Who stepped up in playoff games? It was Mike Brown. This guy's a fantastic coach. So when the Kings reached out to Mike Brown and wanted him to be their next head coach, taking over for Luke Walton, which was a huge mistake. Said it when it happened. Remember the opening day press conference, we talked about it years ago, when they named Luke Walton, like, hey, what are you doing? And number two, remember the story that broke on the press conference day? About Luke Walton being in trouble, you know, with domestic abuse and violence and treating women, that all that certain thing. And the king said, Well, we just hired him. We don't want to have another revolving door of coaches. They stuck with Luke Walton. And of course, he stuck with him way too long because he had proven nothing as being a solid head coach. None whatsoever. So when Mike Brown came in, it was like, okay, he got some pretty good pieces. De'Aaron Fox, he was a jewel of the draft going back six years ago. The draft Keegan Murray, we remember him in Iowa. I didn't think Keegan Murray would be the player that he is today. And Herter and other guys that they've gotten, you know, Sabonis, okay, started off pretty decently, but, you know, played with Indiana. Nothing, you know, like his dad back in the day. But this Kings team has come together, and yeah, Mike Brown does get a lot of credit. This fan base has be has been rejuvenated, regalvanized. That's all I can say. People who we got a lot of people in Sacramento that listen to this show, they know what I'm talking about. But there was the doldrums, and they most fans just kind of checked out. I personally know so many season ticket holders that said, "Checking out, not going to pay this money anymore." And they're they they've got a new arena and everything because the product wasn't good. Well, finally this year, the product is good, and yes. It's a surprise. Sacramento Kings are number three seed, but deservedly so because they played that well, just as good as Denver and Memphis. I don't know if the Sacramento Kings are going to beat the Golden State Warriors. I actually think that, you know, the Warriors healthy, Warriors motivated. It's going to be tough. I'm not going against Steph Curry, against Clay Thompson, against Draymond Green, against Steve Kerr, against that front office. No. But It's going to be a great story, and it should be a very good series. Looking forward to it. We come back, Scott Spreitzer will join us, and we will talk with him. And speaking of which, like I said, we devote a lot of time today with the Kings and a little bit about the Golden State Warriors. Monday. Our good friend Jim Barnett, the former Warrior player and who's been part of the broadcast team of the Golden State Warriors for the past 20-plus years, he is going to join us on Monday. That'll be interesting because Jim will be joining us after Game 1 is played Saturday night and right prior to Game 2 on Monday night in Sacramento. So we'll have uh, more from the Warriors' perspective on Monday's show. When we come back, we'll talk about it all with Scott Spritzer. All right,
2: let me put, put some water
0: on your board. More from the Master Debater. C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. All right, we're talking a lot of NBA playoffs here today. Let's start talking about it from a handicapping perspective with our good friend Scott Spritzer. Scott, what's going on, brother? How you doing, TC? Hey, 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 man. What do you say?
1: Yeah, man, I'm just uh, getting through this getaway day of hardly any baseball. <laughs> Getting through this evening of no NBA playoffs and of a lot of hockey games that don't matter. Mm
0: -hmm. Can't wait till Friday and Saturday. That's true. But this should be a rest day for you. You know what I'm saying? It kind of is. I mean, we're we're not expecting you to go to five innings today, Scott. I mean, you could take it easy. You'd be like Corey Kluber, Scott. Corey Kluber's going. He's rolling today. And here comes that hammond Alex Cora. Oh, wait, we got a lefty (laughs) coming up. You only struck out Brandon uh, Lau already twice today. We don't want you to face him, even though he struck him out twice. Oh, one out shy of getting to victory what happens seven runs later what a ham hog i'm still fired up about that even though i had i had no dog in the fight no dog but i just hate managers pulling your aces before five innings when you're leading
1: they're saving them for later in the year for when they're 40 and 80 thank you Um, you I, i actually laid the price with tampa bay late last night, probably about 1 a.m. or so Pacific time, and it was minus 190 where I got it, and it went all the way up to minus 240-ish. And I don't lay a lot of big lines normally. However, these $2 favorites or more for, like, gosh, almost a decade now have produced winning seasons. And I did today. Uh, I figured, you know, Kluber might come out there and throw a well against his ex-mates, but they won't leave him in there. I mean, you know, I did not think it'd come out that quick, but they're not going to leave them in there for more than six, you know, early in the season, the way these managers are nowadays. Springs has been great. They turned on the game in the fifth. They're down three to one Tampa. And then, like you said, then it's like, okay, let's get to the pin now because, you know, it's one of those things that we got to put up with all the time now, major league baseball. And you and I talked about it. We did last year quite a bit And this. I didn't do a first five innings play on Tampa today. I did a full game, but this is what it's come to. It's like, Every time I have a play, I'm thinking, boy, should I go first five today? Because, you know, I might only get that pitcher for four and a third. And he might, you know, he might be throwing a no hitter. And he's going to get
0: yanked because he hit 75 pitches. (laughs) It's crazy stuff. It's funny you bring that up because while you're telling the story, I was going to ask you, did did you go a full game? Because we've talked so many times before where you are really you know, a a pro five, uh, you know, first five inning, you know, type of guy. Can you imagine if you did have the Rays today, you're sweating bullets because Kluber was – uh, cruising. And when you look at his final, uh, stat line, you're going to say, Oh, he was no, all those runs were charged to him. You know, those, those last, you know, three, four right. runs, uh, but you know, four and two thirds. He's one out away. He's getting ready to face a guy that he struck out relatively easy both times today. You know, the two previous at bats against, uh, Lau. And then, you know, he gets pulled. And now all of a sudden you you know, he the you know, if you have the raise, you're down, you know, three to one entering that inning, three to two when Kluber leaves, you gotta be sweating bullets. The next thing you know, oh, seven runs later, piece of cake. Yeah, and the reason I didn't
1: go five With two outs. you know. Yeah, and the reason I didn't go five innings and went the full game is because I felt that Kluber had a shot to pitch well. There you go. You know, for five innings. And I thought this could be, you know, one of those times when, you know, he goes a full five and it's 1-1 or 2-1 to Boston and then Tampa Bay goes nuts against the pen. And, you know, I guess I'm thinking about that a little bit more than the manager, uh, TC, because... Well, you're more you qualified
0: know, than Cora. We know that.
1: I, I'm telling you, it's crazy. You know, I was I, I wish I would have wrote down the, the, the team. I can't remember if it was the Angels. Watching somebody a couple of days ago and they had the starting pitcher went four and two-thirds, leaves the game with like a 2-1 to lead. And what happened was, is he like, it was like first and second with two outs in the fifth. And he's up two or three to one. And here comes the manager. And he's only thrown like 60 pitches. And here comes the manager and yanks him. And I'm like, so what? He's got guys on first and second. He's pitching well. You know, he walked the guy on like six pitches or whatever. And, and then the next guy comes up and, you know, a little bloop single. And all of a sudden you want to yank him. And, and he, and he's being, you know, he's, he's ticked off. You can tell. Because he's not going to get that final out to get the win if they're still leading after the inning. And he's walking off and you can see he's not happy. And he goes into the clubhouse and I'm, you know, I'm not surprised if he fires something across the room in the locker room or the clubhouse. And, you know, I just think it just, I don't know. I guess maybe guys nowadays, the younger generation is so used to it. They can get over that, you know, that frustrated feeling a little bit quicker. But to me, it seems like you can do damage to your clubhouse. But again, I'm old school like you, TC. If you start yanking pitchers when they've got a chance to get a win and you pull them out because, oh, my gosh, you walked the guy. There's a man on first with two outs. Got to get him out of there. <laughs> I just don't get it anymore.
0: Yeah, And he had 74 pitches. Kluber did. 74. Yeah, it's like, definitely. what? And you're rolling. It just, it's mind-boggling. So speaking of baseball, Scott, now I know you very well. And I know that when you go to the ballpark, all right, Uh, you like to have a frosty beverage, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. There's there's no question, right? (laughs) All right. So we we talked about this earlier on, but I got to get your take about this. You know that, uh, now, uh, there are now six major league baseball teams that, uh, have decided to extend the sale of beer to the eighth inning. Cause, you know, all clubs cut it off at the end of the seventh, but. All the complaints now from the beer vendors and the concessionaires saying, These games are going too fast, you know, 30 minutes (laughs) off the game. We need to make more money. Let's go ahead and can we extend selling beer to the eighth inning? And they said, Well, yeah, we got to make more money. All right, Scott, now you know the answer to this. What is the whole purpose why Major League Baseball and, and all these stadiums and these teams uh put instituted no more beer sales? You know, after the seventh inning, Why was that put into play?
1: It looks good to say, look, it. We care. We, and care we don't want anybody driving home, right? You know, under the influence, as though if you have a beer in the eighth inning, it's gonna, you know, change anything from what you have at the seventh. I mean, you got guys that are pounding beers to an inning, right? You know, and if you drink to an inning for six or seven innings, do you really think shutting things down at the end of the seventh is gonna help that guy? I mean, come on. <laughs> And, you know, like what I do, my brother, he goes to a lot of the AAA games with me. We'll usually have two beers and end it by the end of the second inning. That's it. You know, and and so I know if I sat there and I drank a beer an inning, two beers an inning for six innings, I'm going to be, you know, a DUI driving home. I might hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And so that's the bottom line. I mean, they say they care. It's, again, it's like uh, glossing over. You know, hey, look, we care, that kind of stuff. But now we're finding out what they really care about is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And and if the games are getting over with a half hour earlier than normal, you know, they want to make their money. So Mm -hmm. ah, it's a weird situation. You know, Mm -hmm. it's one or two in the first two innings. You know, one usually, sometimes two by the end of the second, and you're done, and we always stay for the entire game, yep. and I just don't know why people need to get sloshed while they're sitting there, but I get what you're saying. It looks more like for appearances than anything else, than what they've done, you know, they could go to Nebraska football games, and I don't. I still don't think you could, you're allowed to drink a beer in the stadium for any college athletics. Right. Maybe you can now. Yep. College World Series, when I was growing up there, you couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. You know, it's like the answer is, cut it all off, uh, but again... If you're a reasonable person with a tiny bit of self-discipline, you can handle it by just shutting things down after a couple of innings, but, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, I know. It's crazy, but it just seems like, okay, if that is the reason why you instituted this, then, okay, then if the games are going faster, wouldn't you go the opposite direction, Scott? Would you say, hey, let's shut it down after six? That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, you would shut it down an an inning
1: earlier if you really, (laughs) truly care. Uh, Actually, if you really, truly cared – You'd probably cut it off after the fourth. Yeah. I'm serious, you yeah, know? Right. And and you and you know, I don't know what you do, but you know, I've seen guys, you know, they'll guzzle down, you know, a a twelve pack, mm-hmm. basically. You know, in a in a baseball game, in a in a in a seven inning mm-hmm. stretch. They can drink ten to twelve beers. I've seen it all my life, and I'm thinking, My gosh, now they're gonna get on the road. You mm-hmm. <laughs> know, it's just crazy stuff. But, but and- yeah, baseball really cared, cut it off after the fourth.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't extend it. <laughs> but they want that beer snake now. Everyone's comparing the beer snakes to everything. The beer snakes. The beer snakes. Oh,
1: the beer snake. I didn't catch the last yeah. thing. I thought you said beer snake. And I was going to say, well, this is new on me. Beer snake. Yeah, right. <laughs> slithery, slithery
0: snake. Yeah, yeah. It's like, i got to get to a Major League Baseball. You've never seen the beer the snake? snake no. <laughs> it's They take a bunch of, like, all of the empty cubs, and they put it, like, the, the cubs are uh, right. notorious yeah. for it. All, right. all the way through the bleachers, all the way from the bottom to the top. Yeah. Yep. Boy. that that's why we go to baseball games. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> let's go around and collect a a, a bunch of uh, you know filthy, dirty cups that people've been slobbering on, and let's make a snake out of it. Let's do that. Yeah, that's fine. that's 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 a good idea. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, since I, I'm in a bitching mood, and it's not a terrible Tuesday, uh, I did talk about this on on Tuesday. You know what the NFL is doing with our Sunday ticket, Scott. Now I know you're like me, you're a direct TV guy. And, uh, you know, the, the, we ha- we had the Sunday, the ticket and everything. And now we got to go to YouTube for this. Did you see what, what YouTube is charging? Cause they've taken over now. It's going to cost people 500 bucks if they want out of market games. And we got to watch it on YouTube. I don't watch much YouTube. I'm not a big streaming type of guy, you know, but this seems like, it's going to be difficult. I'm thinking it's going to be a nightmare. What are you thinking here?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't looked enough into it. I didn't see the headlines and read the first you know, paragraph or whatever yesterday when I saw this or whenever it came out. And I saw some people saying, oh, this is great because it's going to save us money if we do this, that or the other. And then others were saying, I can't believe they're going to charge this amount. So I haven't done due diligence yet enough to speak on it. I'll just say this, I mean, the reason I got Directv was because of the NFL package right. more than ten years ago. I don't care about that, or, or you know, between that and Cox Cable, I couldn't care less. Other than the fact that there was the NFL network, so I had to do what I had to do. And my plans have been, you know, and before August, you know, probably sometime in July, I was going to cut Direct Directv and and go with uh, with with YouTube Premium. Mm-hmm. And now I got to wait and see. You know, I got to really dive into this to see. You know, I, I don't want to spend five hundred a month on the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to a book, watch it for free, you know, and just root on your 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 teams to cash. The only problem is, is I do have a couple of TVs in my home office. I can sit there and I can focus in on a game or two that might not be in our market and do in in game betting. And that's going to be kind of tough to do without the NFL package. You know, I'm not going to just look to what's on local. You know, say, "Ooh, I'm going to in play, you know, in game that game. I want to have my freedom to in, in game any game I want." So, yeah, I, I saw it a little bit. I thought, you know, I got to look into this a little bit more. I mean, TV's prices are are goofy too. And, you know, and it's a lost leader. That's one of the things, though. It's a lost leader. So I bet you they're going to, you know, they'll get a lot of stuff on YouTube Premium about, "Oh, you've been a long time customer. And we'll give it to you for a hundred bucks." There's going to be a lot of that stuff going on too. And people, when they call and say, "Man, I was going to switch to YouTube Premium, pay this." You know, 80 or 90 bucks monthly, you know, fee and also get the NFL package. But, you know, now I'll stick with what I got and I won't watch the NFL and YouTube's going to come right back and go, Hey, we'll give it to you for 150 bucks this season. That stuff's going to happen like crazy. I I know it will. Direct TV used to do that. You know, Oh, something happened to your service for the past month. It was not too hot. Okay. Well, we'll give it to you for a hundred bucks. You know, it's, they're going to do it. It's a lost leader, but I don't know. I got to look more into it. I never thought YouTube would drop the price below what DirecTV was charging but 500 bucks a month is, well, a it's, crazy. yeah, it's
0: not a, bu- it's, it's just, you know, it's a one, it's, uh, it's not a I mean month. Not 500 bucks yeah, right, a month. So
1: I, I never thought that they would drop it below direct TV. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, that's, and it's way more. I mean, so YouTube won the bidding rights, you know, for this year, making that a major shift in broadcast services. And again, people are, it's going to take, uh, especially a lot of the old school people, like, well, how am I going to watch? These games. I mean, with the Direct TV. You got okay. We go to seven oh five, seven oh six, seven oh seven, seven. You, you you can line up four different games. You know. Right. but I mean, have you ever tried to go to YouTube or any of these other streaming services and then try to go to a local channel? I mean, it's it's a nightmare to do. It's not going to be. Let me let,
1: and, and let me give you let me give you an example because I'm doing that with baseball. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I'm, I I watch a lot of shows. My wife and I we hardly watch any regular TV outside of sports. And so most of what we watch are the streaming services, movies, series, things of that nature. I mean, I can't remember, no offense to local news guys, I don't remember the last time I watched local news, probably eight, nine years ago, seriously. And so what I did before the baseball season started is I'm not even thinking, and I happened to be on Prime, and I, I got my baseball package through Prime. Now, I'm not even thinking, so day one, I'm watching opening Day of Baseball, and I'm on there, and... You know, I got my TV control in my hand for some reason, and I'm like, okay, I'm watching the Cardinal game. They went to commercial. Let me flip on the Red Sox game. Oh, wait. I can't flip on the Red right. Sox game. I got to navigate through Amazon's menu to get to the Red Sox game. You know, instead of just entering, you know, three numbers or having them, you know, set up on those four, like you said, the four stations where you've got, you got four games to pick from. That's frustrating to me. That's driving me nuts. So eventually it's all going to be good. It might not just be in the next couple of years, but streaming and a la carte—that's all I ask for. And DirecTV and Cox Cable got to get the crap together when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to watch, you know, Ginsu knives twenty-four-seven and pay for that channel as part of my. I want to be able to choose what I want to watch. I don't care. You know, everybody loves Raymond was great fifteen years ago. I don't want to watch episode thirty <laughs> of season six for the four hundredth time. I don't need that crap. You know, so it's like one of those things where just make it all a cart. I'll pay the money, most people will, and eventually it's going to come to that. In Europe, it's already gotten to that to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. And I have no problem streaming, but just make it user-friendly.
0: There it is. The baseball package is a pain pain in the butt. And I guarantee you that the NFL Sunday ticket is going to be a pain in the butt because it's basically – this you know stream the same way. I mean it's a so yeah so the combination of the Sunday ticket and the Red Zone okay it it'll cost you two forty nine if you add the Red Zone two eighty nine if you are a current YouTube subscriber. How many of those are out there in the sports world? I don't know, but non YouTube TV uh, subscribers uh, it'll cost you a little bit more. Uh, pre-sale price of three forty nine. That's a hundred dollars off the retail price of four forty nine. But if you're not a non YouTube subscriber, and you want the red zone, 500 bucks. Wow. Well, yeah, that's, that's a little bit insane. But anyway. All right. Before, uh, we get out of here, Scott, I definitely want to talk, uh, some NBA playoffs. Uh, talked a lot about the Kings and the Warriors coming up. Uh, looking forward to that this weekend, starting in Sacktown. First time in 16 years, the Kings have made the playoffs. Um, uh, what do you, what have you targeted? What have you handicapped so far? Uh, whether that's any of the playing games tonight, the, or rather tomorrow or once the playoffs start this weekend?
1: Yeah, I think the Sixers are going to have a little trouble with Brooklyn. Not so much, you know, I'm not saying like laying eight, eight and a half points, but series wise. But here's what I did with that series. It's like minus 350, minus, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the series price is, is pretty chunky yeah. as far as it's, and, and not minus 350. I was thinking of the money line in game one. It's minus 900. And so you got the Sixers who are minus 900. And what I thought was, you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather play this to end in five games or less. It's, I think it, the total was five and a half games. So five games or less, I got it at minus 160. I went that route instead of doing series at minus 900 to minus 1,000. As far as individual games and playing those against the spread, I, I'm more of a wait and watch the first game and then come back and play the second game. But I will say this. That, uh, these teams and uh, got him, uh, one of the guys at Wager Talk, spacing off his names right now, maybe you'll remember one of Marco's teammates over there, uh, put, compiled this stat in that round one NBA favorites, uh, higher than four points, four or more. Those round one favorites of four or more are like 142 and 95 against the spread with a few pushes. So almost 60% against the spread and kind uh, of spacing off the name of the guy, That's but okay. uh, one of Marco's teammates over at yep. wager talk. So at least I can give them a, a plug and say it was wager talk. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, he put that, it compiled it. I looked it up. It was within a game of being spot on 100%. And so it maintained uh, the integrity of the, of the actual angle. And that's what I would look to do, you know, is kind of after game one for me, look to play those teams that are favored in game two and beyond in round one. But again, the only bet I made thus far was Philly minus 160 to beat Brooklyn in under five and a half games.
0: Okay, makes sense. All right, uh, VGK tonight against Seattle, against the Kraken. They just beat them here two nights ago. Season record, uh, 51 wins the, the Knights going after, 109 points. Uh, they need a point tonight, Scott, real quick. They're going to get it as a good bet tonight.
1: Yeah, I think they get it. I didn't bet it myself. I went against Seattle and, I, and played uh, Vegas the other night. And one of the things I was thinking about is Seattle had to lose that game to avoid Edmonton. And nobody wants to play Edmonton right now. And so in this particular game, I think, it's a, I think they get by. But the only problem is, is they there got a lot of guys out, including like Brett Howden who's filled in well. He's out They're saying for personal reasons. We know about all the other uh, situations. But I did see that Theodore and Eichel are probable. That was earlier today, around noon Pacific time. If they got both of those guys out there, they likely win this, this hockey game.
0: You got it. All right, my man. Have yourself a, a great weekend. Appreciate the time and look forward to talking with you next week. Take care, man. Have a good one. There he is. Scott Spicer, Doc Sports. Go to docsports.com. Subscribe to uh, Scott's plays, uh, whether it's NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever it is. And of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs on the horizon. Golden Knights on the road tonight in Seattle, closing out the regular season, trying to get the number one seed. Big game tonight for VGK. How cool would that be, huh? I mean, most points, most wins since the inaugural season. And remember what happened there that was fantastic what a run when they went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing to Washington alright I want to thank Henry Turner Scott Marsh with the Sacramento Kings their broadcast crew for joining us today and of course my man Scott Spreitzer as well tomorrow we will be at the Westgate Las Vegas at the world famous Superbook come on by and see the show live Marco D'Angelo uh, John Murray the executive director of the Superbook and uh, Paul McKeskey a former NBA player he will join us uh, tomorrow as well too and we'll talk NBA playoffs look forward to a very exciting weekend there. All right, for Chuck TC saying so long. Go to the website. Check out our interview yesterday, our conversation with Steve Sachs. It's up there right now. You got to hear it. You'll laugh your you-know-what off Uh, talking about him coming to town next week, talking about the food, the buffets, and all that. Miss any part of the show? You know where to go. Check it all out anytime, anywhere at TCMartinShow.com.